You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Zombie apocalypse, yeah. you know, which you can point out which runs Frida. <laughs> there she is. You'll She's always know. The skull with the unibrow somehow. It's Frida. Yeah. I know who that is. She's cool, guys. I feel like who Art Ed. Try to spice it. So welcome. Thank you for joining me. Today I have Ms. Zeeb. I'm always really happy when people bring an artist to me. You shared that you like Frida Kahlo, mm-hmm. so she will be our topic for today. Super excited. She's awesome. She is. Mm-hmm. Was, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I mean, her piece still kind of presents her. Her art is still awesome. Yeah. Um, she lives through her. I don't now. know what she's doing these days. Probably not much. I, I wouldn't think so. I don't think, I don't think she's as active as she used to be. You know, I don't think so. <laughs> but that's okay. Now for our in situ segment. It just gives us some context. It's about the artist and where this came from. Where this all came from. Frida Kahlo was born in 1907. She passed away in 1954. Um, she was a Mexican artist, although her background. Um, she like I think her father was German. Her mother was um, like part Mexican, part uh, or part Spanish and part indigenous. Um, oh, I can never pronounce the terms. Anyways, uh, That's, I don't know where I'll have to go in and and dub it. It's like Oaxaca. That's a mouthful. It it's hard. That's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. I have a streak going every episode. I mispronounce things from like every single artist. Well, tell you this on the list. Yes, this is I. <laughs> I'm consistent, if nothing else. Um, but you know, her father was was uh, German. Her mother was um, Spanish and part Indigenous Oaxaca, and you know that left her sort of feeling like she was kind of partially in between worlds sort of ethnically and um, in terms of her culture. And we saw that pop up quite a bit later in her work. She was a, a strong student and actually had ambitions to be a doctor. Uh, she wanted to go to medical school, but then unfortunately she interacted a lot with the medical industry for completely other purposes. When she was 18 years old, she was in a t- terrible bus accident Um, she was actually impaled uh, by the handrail and like she had um she she broken spine vertebrae um as well as like her pelvis and several other bones a ton of ton of bones yes Um, what's really interesting is she was actually on a bus before yeah but it was raining outside and she went back she got an umbrella and so that Interaction, like just that perfect butterfly moment when all of a sudden you go back and then you're on that bus and that happens. Yes, it is 
ultimate consequences. So I guess the I guess the ultimate takeaway from this is don't forget your umbrella, right? Because it will it will um, either I mean it led her to greatness. So yes, it it did lead her to greatness indirectly because of her her debilitating injuries and you know this was not actually her only um chronic health problem she suffered from polio when she was when she was younger and the complications from that would pop up later in her life i think she had part of her leg amputated yeah. as a result of that and so she was she was dealing with some very serious and profound painful medical issues throughout her life but it was in that time when she was recovering from the bus accident that she took up painting again and she she sort of mastered it while she was confined to her bed during that long recovery later on in her life she became very politically active in the communist party which you know we always think of like the communist party again you have to remember early 20th century it was still a little bit out there and yeah. scary, but not to the degree that it is viewed today. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was very much interested in social justice. And I think part of that was her view of part of her heritage was the indigenous people of Mexico. And she felt like she wanted to reflect at least some portion of that culture in a lot of her work, and mm-hmm. she carried that in, in her style of dress, and she wanted to stand up for those people who were sort of considered marginal in their society and not always given the respect that they deserve, which was very much a sort of central tenant of the you know, communist part, political oh, yeah. party at that time. Um, Really, I guess at all times, that's kind of central. I suppose so, yeah. yeah. I mean, Um, after history. But that is where she met her on-again, off-again husband, Diego Rivera, um, who was also a a prominent painter, much older than her at at that day, and he was much more established as a painter at that time. Um, And his work largely centered around the struggles of working people trying to elevate, elevate the working man and woman in his work, especially... In his, he was best known for his murals uh, mm-hmm. that would go up not only in Mexico, but in the United States and other places. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just had like a, a brain genius moment. They're kind of like the Twitter of today, like bringing out the, you know, pictures and like hashtags and all these stuff. Like they're bringing that when you didn't have it she, back then. Yes, she was definitely very much about selfies. Yes, you know? yes, yes. She would be that um, selfie person. She was that selfie. Or she's known as that selfie person, although the majority of her paintings were not selfies. Uh, right. I think we had like 130-some-odd paintings by her, uh, 50-ish are, are self-portraits, but that means about somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 are not. Right. Um, but she is best known for her, self, for her self-portraits. Just make sure your selfie looks good now. I mean, what? if you're going to be known for a selfie, you better make sure your selfie looks good. As Frida Carla, I mean. Well, that's an interesting point, though, because I think actually in a lot of ways her, her self-portraits were not intended to glamorize her. Oh, um, yeah. She was definitely known for breaking with stylistic... Um, stylistic portrayals and I think it's important to realize that this was you know she started painting like the 1930s and you know when I think about what was happening in society in America that was the time of the flappers and Mm -hmm. things like that and she was very much interested in the flapper movement and the empowerment of females at that time 
However, she also felt that connection to her past and her culture. And so what she chose to do was reject the sort of the zeitgeist. I always like to use the term, the art, fancy art terms really that fancy make term. me sound smart. Yeah, that's a zeitgeist word. is a, a term for the spirit of the times. And um, when you use a word like that, people just don't question you. Whatever you say after that, they Throw assume it's correct. Throw it in a different conversation. You know, but she, she largely rejected the styles of the time and that place. And she was not conforming to what other people had as an ideal of a beautiful woman. She was often wearing, um, you know, what would be associated with, quote unquote, peasant attire and things like that, that were very traditional clothing, very, very sort of plain. She also was known to dress and portray herself in men's clothing. One of the things that that I find really interesting is while she was reasonably successful in her time. She only had one solo exhibition in Mexico just before she passed away. I find that unbelievable. I'm I know. sorry. Just I'm, one? Yes. It was like right before she died. Uh, she <laughs> and and this is one of those things that I I I read about and I was like I I just, I just love the you know sort of um strength of this. So she was, her health was not great. She, she passed away at just age 47. Yeah. And, um, she actually had an ambulance take her to that, um, to that, to the, the opening of her show. No. Yeah. And she had the ambulance pull out. What a way to style she, to come in. I know. And she had it pull up front like a limo dropping no her off. Way. Yes. Yes. But yeah, she only had one solo exhibition in Mexico, uh, just shortly before she passed away. She did have earlier success in, um, in her career, she had uh, an exhibition in New York, and she actually was the first per first Mexican artist to have um, a painting bought by and featured in the collection at the Louvre. She Ooh. did have an exhibition in Paris earlier in her career that was not as well received, but um, you know, well enough that, like I say, the Louvre bought it. So. Yeah. Well, not too shabby. Like, yeah, uh, I always find it funny, like not well received, but it was bought by the Louvre. So it was it was pretty good. But the It'd be a good day for me. Yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd be satisfied. With come that. on now. She really became well known uh, towards the like 1970s, 80s, 90s as um, historians started to look back, particularly with a feminist lens, as well as um, she is seen as, you know, a cultural icon in the LGBTQ community, in some ways breaking the traditional female mm -hmm. stereotypical um, portrayal. I mean, it's typical to put on, like, a filter. Like, you have the makeup, you have yeah. the nice clothes, and it's still very prominent today. Yeah, absolutely. And she was, and part of what I think a lot of people appreciate about her is the fact that she was painting those self-portraits in some ways sort of reclaiming the female form yeah. and not doing it as, you know, a man's idea of beauty, but she was showing herself the way she wanted to be portrayed mm -hmm. and the way she chose to be portrayed in the clothing that she she chose to wear, even though it was out of style. She had that prominent unibrow that, mm -hmm. like, it's not just there, she emphasizes it in the piece. She shows herself sort of warts and all and you know, just she's looking right out at the, the viewer, sort of confrontational, mm -hmm. no as though regrets. to say, like, this is me, deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, and that is that one thing I definitely appreciate and respect about. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of courage. Especially in that in that time. I mean, I, I 
can only list probably like half a dozen prominent female painters from that day. Oh, to tell you the truth, I yeah. can't really think of one other. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you like you've got George O'Keefe, you've got like Hilma Hoff Clint, Hilma Hoff Clint, but uh, you know, she was uh, her work was not again not well known until really right now she's kind of having what a moment is it where with people are artists, are discovering. Who have what? to pass away. Uh, they were like work to be known. Well, it's it's know? not just it's not just artists, it's society. In certain cultures in certain societies there were um, only certain th- subjects that women were allowed to do. Like Helma Off Clint, women in in her time uh, it was they were supposed to paint copies and landscapes and just like simple st- like leave the leave the the, the real stuff. Yes, I, how depressing it is, especially when you consider how much progress was lost because of that. Because because like people weren't recognizing the contributions of all people. Yes, only certain voices are heard, which means there's I mean, a narrower you, scope of ideas. Yeah, and that's not even in the arts, like doctors and nurses and. Educators and like, yeah. oh, it's so frustrating. Like, I'm, we're now being awakened, but it's like we had years upon years upon years to have this yes. collection. Yeah. Well, luckily we don't have any we, problems like that today. Right. We're like we're in a <laughs> perfect utopian right <laughs> yeah. now where everything's yeah. equal. Everyone, everyone's treated with the respect <laughs> they deserve now. So now we're going to shift to our in gallery segment where we're going to look more closely at a piece. <laughs> Now for our in-gallery segment, we're going to have a discussion looking more carefully at one piece. Uh, The specific work we're looking at today is her self-portrait with Thorn Necklace and Hummingbird from 1940. It is oil on canvas, 18 by 24 inches. And I always like to start off by just looking at the piece. What are you seeing here? What's jumping out to you? Um, Definitely the monkey like rich black with the cat. And then it just kind of ties in in the middle with the hummingbird and her unibrows dipping down. Yeah. Um, so we see her looking out at the viewer, a sort of stoic kind of kind of face. Like she's not showing much emotion, although mm-hmm. I always think like she must be very uncomfortable because she's got kind of a necklace of like thorns and roots wrapped around her. And it's almost like it's, it's tightening around her neck. Like it, she's not like casually sitting there. It is. And if you look carefully, the monkey that is over her left shoulder, I guess the left of me as the viewer, her, it would be her right shoulder. Mm-hmm. But um, the monkey is almost sort of pulling at the strands, which are wrapped around her. Yes. And, and I always think... Um, you know, she had pet. She had exotic pets in her life, and one of the things that she had was a a pet monkey. That, first of all, pet monkey, again, what a ride, awesome, <laughs> yes. But she had a pet monkey that was a gift to her from Diego Rivera, and I mean, that's what you give someone who you're dating is is a monkey. Well, they were married, I oh, believe, at the time. With. When they, okay, even better. Um, and this painting was that was painted when they were divorced. They divorced. Oh. And so some people some people say that monkey could be sort of a symbol of Diego Rivera pulling at the roots. And when we think about roots, we always think about like how they sort of anchor us and tie us to, yeah. to things. And they're wrapped around her in a way that feels like it could almost be, it's oppressive being tied down and held down and sort of the monkey pulling at that yeah, and holding, holding her back, which is 
in stark contrast to the rest of the background, which seems lush and green, and we see butterflies, sort of symbolic, you could think of, of metamorphosis. And right. I see I see all those symbols as sort of um, sort of a tension inherent in her between like the freedom of moving on from past relationships, but right. always feeling feeling sort of tethered to the past to the and past to the culture. Well, when I see, I mean, it's a baby monkey. It's, it's yeah. not an adult. Like baby monkeys, you have to take care of them. They require yeah. a lot of attention. So he's like, she's painting that because her husband required a lot of attention. So she like couldn't do her art and she was tethered down that way. Yeah, um, although ultimately they did remarry after their divorce, but she said she had two horrific accidents, the bus and Diego, and Diego was by far the worst. Ouch, to compare yeah. something that <laughs> impales you and leaves yes. you in the hospital bed for yes. days and days to her husband who you choose to like be with, that's unbelievable. Yes. And so we see here, like I say, the, the monkey is sort of pulling at those, those thorns and things like that. But I then also some people, some people say um, in, in some occasions she would show her exotic pets because she, uh, she was unable to have children because of the, the accident. And um, so, you know, some people see that as sort of like she had she had those pets as her sort of surrogate children that, like you oh, say, require a lot of care. They're, yeah, they're... You know, she... Mm-hmm, and she they have this tension. Yeah, she, so meeting that need for her. Interesting. Well, I'm like, going off of yours, though, she has on her rope necklace um, a bird attached to it. So yeah. it's like, so I'm just like, basing off the monkey thing, does she want to fly away from that relationship, but she's still tethered down to her husband, her past? Like, she wants to fly, but she just can't. Yeah, and you again, know? that bird that bird can't fly. Yeah. You know, that bird is um the bird has seen better days. It sure has. <laughs> you know, again, it is one of those symbols. I, I believe, if I recall correctly, that the hummingbird in um in traditional folklore was sort of a symbol of of luck, particularly in relationships. Oh, um, oh, that's interesting. You know, then. which yeah. is why it's like yeah. it it's dangling from the mm. roots that yeah. are like you tying know, her down, tying her down, and confining and torturing her. She couldn't get away from her husband. Yeah. So maybe she's just bringing luck onto the relationship. Like, well, but but again, you know? it's like it's that transitional phase because we also see she's surrounded by that lush, lush greenery. Fauna, yeah. and, and when we think of you know the the butterfly, the butterflies sort of in her hair and things like that. Butterflies being that classic symbol of like the transformation and metamorphosis and you know, evolving to become something yeah, I was gonna greater say, like, and more free. And this is this is a little out there, but I'm thinking like chakra wise, the head is your crown chakra and that's like your higher self. So maybe yeah. like the butterflies are on her head, like she's the higher self, like she has that surrounding her. I don't know. I, she, she's not gonna walk in and say you're wrong. Who she's cares? walking me like, Miss Steve, you're rocking it right now, Mr. <laughs> Woods. You're getting it all. I don't think her skeleton's gonna come back and be like, you know, it's not. Oh, what a skeleton that would be, though. I know. I, I, I could imagine her just like all bones, no skin, but still Jeez. having the unibrow hair. Like, that's it. Unibrow? Skeleton yeah. and the unibrow. And that's for you. Let's look out for that uh, next <laughs> day of the dead. Zombie apocalypse, yeah. you know, which you can point out which runs Frida. <laughs> there she is. You'll She's always the know. The skull with the unibrow somehow. It's Frida. Yeah. Oh, I know who that is. She's cool, guys. 
And again, I think we would be remiss if we didn't also mention just the, the way that she portrays herself as strong and assertive and confident. She doesn't deny the struggles and, and the problems that she has, but they're not, she doesn't seem broken by it. No. She seems strong. She seems, she seems confident like, in who she is. She, you judge me, like fight me about this. Like yeah, I she, own up to what I do. Well, she looks right out at the viewer. Uh-huh. It's very confrontational. It's very assertive, which again is contrary to the, you know, role that women were supposed to, to be occupying in mm-hmm. her day. And, and that's one of the things that, that I personally appreciate it. You know, she was doing this decades before the feminist movement, mm-hmm. which makes before it all, all, the, all the stronger. and All the more better. Yeah. Yeah, to um, have little pieces around history. So I always like to wrap this segment by just asking, if you could take this out of the museums, you know, unshackle it, unburden it, untether it from the unnatural cages that we have for art. Sure. Where should this go? I would put it in... Any CEO office that is headed by male authority. So, like, in yeah. an office building, and it's a man's world, as in the entire office is filled with men. And I would yeah. stick that front and center. She's staring down. She's no, she's the equal. Yeah. She might be shackled down by a few things, but she takes no regrets. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. See, and I just look at this, and I... As much as I appreciate her work, I cringe when I look at it, because I, I think of, like... I think of my, you know, teenage years and like emo and the you know, brooding. Just, oh, the brooding. The dark windows and Man, remember feelings? <laughs> oh, that, that was, was awful. What kind of um, time was that? Yeah. Just remember but, being happy. Um, <laughs> I I feel like this should be like like album art for like my chemical romance or something. Oh, totally. You know it's gonna I mean? be like, like one of those headbangers. Like, like those screen boys. Like, 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 yeah, it feels like out yeah, it. it feels like it should be like like a poster or or album art for for like you know one of those one of those like emo bands or something. Yes. I feel like she is the emo painter. Yes, you know. Ah. Uh. And now for our in studio segment. In studio. Think about what strategies are working. Take it. Good Make artists. It your own. Copy. Great artists. Just go ahead, steal this art, make it your own. These are the takeaways. This is what you can apply to your own work. I can go first or you can, but we want to share. No, you go first first. You go first first. I go first first. That's funding thing, yeah. Okay. Um, So I guess the first takeaway that I would have is it is always good to sort of enrich your work with things that are symbolic and personally meaningful because it take it often can take a little bit of time for someone to make sense of it at first we look at a piece like this and it seems surreal it seems dreamlike like nobody's literally walking around with roots and branches wrapped around mm-hmm. them but um you know when we take time to decode that and we start to make sense of that metaphor, it's like putting together a puzzle. It engages us. It makes the viewer sit there and think about that work. And when you have to work for something, you appreciate what you Mm -hmm. acquire then. One of my takeaways, and this might be just a little obvious, but you don't have to smile or have people smiling. And I'm just thinking of when I was an artist growing up, it always had to be happy or like some, like you have the sun smiling, you have the flowers smiling, the world is great. She's not smiling and it's still like, it is more impactful 
than if she had just like this forced grin on her face. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I think that's another one of those things where we have to think about the artist's purpose, much like we talk about in books, the author's purpose. The purpose is not always to make something pretty. Yeah. The purpose can be about communicating your feelings, your ideas, uh, sending a message, getting people to think about and and question their underlying assumptions about, in her case, in a lot of ways, she's trying to get people to question, like, what is a woman? What does a woman look like? Yeah. What is her role? And that's why she's showing herself as assertive, as dominant, as quote unquote masculine mm-hmm. in many ways. I'm just thinking of people who like that big movement, like, oh, can you smile for me, honey? Yeah. Like that type of thing. Like she would completely debunk that whole thing she does in her paintings. Well, and, and again, that's one of those things where it's okay to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Even if who you are isn't smiling and isn't who someone else wants you to be. Yeah, own your emotions. Yeah. By far. So you're good? Yeah, you Nothing good? else you want to share? Hmm. I mean, it's Frida, you know? It is Frida. It's who she is. You just got to be who you are. It is. Warts and, and all. Well, and all. She, she, she was herself, warts and all, as you say, or unibrow and all. Yeah. And if you are your authentic self... Yeah. Even if everyone doesn't appreciate it in your time, eventually the world will catch up. Yeah. You're just before it, your it time. It gets better. Yeah. This would <laughs> be know? dark and birdie. This is free to come back being like, it is, gets better, guys. I, it does get better. Yes. And that should always be known, especially when you're going through that brooding oh, teen- you think that teenage never poetry end. and yes. having feelings. The journal. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. The late night. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah. It gets better. It gets better. Thank you she so much like... for taking the time. I really hey, appreciate it. thanks for having you, me. This was fun. Took the time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I know you better now. Because I, I always too. just see you and it's like, hey, Zeeb. You see in the hallway. Hey, Woods. <laughs> Bye, Woods. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Thanks. Never good at ending this. I'm just podcast done. Boom. Shh. Drop the podcast, Mike.